0: Hello Husky fans and welcome to the Fast Break Podcast, a podcast about UConn men's basketball. This is Amon Kidwai. I'm excited to be joined by Sean McGrath and Patrick Martin. We're here to talk UConn men's hoops. Dan Hurley's squad got off to an absolutely amazing start to the season, undefeated through non-conference play. Uh, Things were feeling quite great in stores and beyond. And then things came crashing down a little bit. Uh, we're just past the halfway point of the season. The Huskies had a really rough stretch, losing five of six, including a couple of real brutal ones in succession to St. John's at home and uh game at Seton Hall where they were leading all the way until about one minute, five seconds left in the game, something like that. They have responded with a 30 point win over Butler at home, and they host Xavier tonight on Wednesday at Gamble Pavilion in a very big game. Uh, My question for you guys is what the heck is this UConn team? Are they the absolute buzzsaw that we saw in the first 12, 13 games of the season? Or are they the. Deeply struggling team that we have seen the last uh, seven or eight games minus minus one or two good performances.
1: I think like anything, the answer is somewhere in the middle. They were they're not going to beat Alabama by fifteen every single time they play, but they're not going to lose by double digits to St. John's very rare, very rarely either. I just think that. They were playing above their heads. Everything was clicking right in that 14-game winning streak, and now it's just a regression to the mean. And hopefully the game against Butler is a sign that they might be coming out of that a little bit, but you never know what's going to happen with Xavier.
2: It's Oscar season, right? So I'll I'll throw out that UConn is everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, They are absolutely at their best a top two team in the country. We saw it, you know, against not only Alabama, not, in, not only against Iowa State, but with how they rattled off double-digit wins for, what, the first 14 games. And last year, everyone was all excited because UConn had, you know, gone to double overtime versus Auburn. And and that, you know, was what they all fell back on and everything, saying like, oh, well, we can, we, that that was their ceiling. UConn's ceiling this year is... Yeah, it's to to quote Jordan through the roof and that everything looked like, you know, we were all planning trips to Houston in in December and everyone was all excited. And then there's everywhere all at once. Like Sean said, the double digit L to St. John's at home, at home. Um, The, you know, the, the loss against Seton Hall looking, you know, the road losses to Marquette, and Xavier, and Providence, those stink, you know, the road losses, but they still didn't look great. So y- y- you've seen it all. You've seen UConn just absolutely stink up the joint against St. John's, give up good fights against Xavier and Marquette on the road, and then blow the doors off one of the best teams in the country. So they are, I mean, they are they are a riddle wrapped in an, mystery inside an enigma it's you know who knows what you're going to get uh the good news is there's a lot of season left and hopefully they can kind of tap into what made them so strong earlier in the year
0: yeah and i mean for me it's it's they're figuring it out uh they had a really really great start though uh and and what encouraged me about the start uh a few things one i did not think it was particularly fluky it was not dependent on kind of like outlier performances in three-point shooting or from any particular player or players. It was from solid contributions from all over the roster. And what I have felt uh lately is that a couple of people have gone cold and a couple of people have gotten maybe less assertive and that it, those things are happening at bad times. And also, um, you know, at a time when UConn gets into big East play and some teams that are a little bit more familiar with the roster and some of its nuances and the coach's style and and all of that stuff. Uh what are your guys' thoughts on kind of what's what went wrong during that that stretch where they, you know, they lost 5 of 6 and particularly like you guys highlighted the the inexcusable losses, the St. John's and Seton Hall ones.
1: Against Seton Hall at least the offense just was nowhere to be found in the second half. They did not score a field goal in the last 651 of the game. They scored four points on free throws. You, you can't do that and expect to win college basketball games. The shooting wasn't great. The offensive sets that they saw in the first half just weren't there. And I think that the offense has just come crashing down from any kind of consistency.
2: Um. I think when you started the season, a lot of teams in the Big East were unknowns. You didn't really know what Marquette could bring. You didn't really know what Providence could bring. But what was the known was that Shaka Smart, Ed Cooley, for you know whatever grief we give him, Sean Miller, as corrupt as he is, those are all really, really, really good coaches. And for as strong as UConn kind of looked earlier in the year, they were effectively scouted out. Where you double Adama Sunogo inside because he takes six seconds too long to pass the ball out and you run Jordan Hawkins off of screens. They It became very clear in that six game stretch that UConn had no one that can go get you a shot. I watched Baylor Kansas yesterday and all four of Baylor guards could break you down off the dribble and, and you know, get you a basket one-on-one. Maybe Tristan Newton, if he's feeling like it can do that, um Andre Jackson refuses to shoot the ball um so very smart coaches figured UConn out and now it's on Hurley and company to adjust because there are enough weapons there is enough talent on this team that there can be a counter punch for when they play these teams again at home so there, there's still plenty of chances like you guys said to turn it around
0: yeah that's that's where I'm at is is that UConn is also still figuring it out. They just happen to have started (laughs) off really, really good while they were doing it. You know, thinking about the the situation with respect to last year's roster, you're talking about massive chunks of the scoring, rebounding, leadership, assists, all all leaving with RJ Cole and um, uh, Tyrese Martin uh, and Isaiah Whaley, Uh, and so I, I think. For, for UConn to have come out of that and, and been so explosive is still such a really strong sign for what kind of talent is assembled. For me, it was about, about really those guards going cold. I felt like at the beginning uh, in, in the early part of the season, we were seeing pretty decent performances from uh, Newton, you know, like Newton, Diara, Aline, and uh, and Calcaterra, you know, two two of them would have a solid game every every time out. And then you hit a point where the bench just went cold. You had Sullivan Klingens, the only guy scoring off the bench. So that was an issue for me. But for that same reason, I do think that there's some upside in just that those same guys can all get more familiar with their new teammates and maybe get more to the production levels that they were at at their previous schools which is what got them to UConn but I, I am super concerned about the guard play even in spite of that mild dose of optimism because we know that strong guard play uh, carries well It it, it uh, is super important in March it's a historic calling card of UConn and its most successful teams uh, and and this team does not have that so That's going to be a concern no matter what, even though they do, I think, still have some upside.
1: Yeah, I think the guard play is going to be well when it's them. Calcaterra was never going to shoot 55% from three-point range. which was What he was shooting at one point this season, he's at about 43 now, which even still feels really high. It's 83rd nationally as we speak. He's at 43.9%. Like, that's definitely going to go down. That's above his high-water mark. Um, Tristan Newton struggles to get his own shot. Um, Hassan Diar, for all of his defense, just cannot play offense at this level. I think that the guard play is going to be something that really limits them because they, as Jordan Hawkins isn't somebody who can get his own shot. He's a great shooter, but you're not putting the ball in his hands 30 minutes a night. So finding someone who can do that, I think, is absolutely crucial. And I don't know if they have it
0: this year. Patrick, anything giving you hopes for upside for for the squad? Um,
2: not yes. Obviously, what you guys said, but what what I I think the hopes are very correctable. You know, UConn is. I think they they average nineteen fouls a game. This year, Which is an absurd number. You look at all the other teams that are up on that list and they're all a bunch of low majors. It, there is no excuse to be following that much. And they hit a stretch of their schedule where they played three. Now we're seeing top 25 teams on the road. You're going to get those friendly whistles. Not saying that, you know, it was a referee job, but it is, I think, you know, with that weakness comes the strength of taking away the three point line. Where they are six in the country in three-point field goal percentage defense, um, th- there are tactical adjustments to be had there. I think where if you find a team which was so that would made the St. John's game so infuriating is they are guarding these guys chest to chest that they c- that can't shoot that are twenty-five percent shooters. Um, you know, so if these guys can be coached up to. Lay off the you know, sometimes you don't have to run guys off a three-point line, give them a cushion, maybe the fouls happen less, and um that tightens some things up on the defensive end, and then on offense, the turnovers. How many times have they had more than 20 turnovers in a in a game? And that just comes with I hope hope just experience. Maybe you put the ball in Andre Jackson's hands some more. Um but those are correctable things that I think can hide a lot of UConn's weaknesses at the the guard spot.
1: Yeah, I think basically their strengths are literally everything else. Their, you know, overall their ninth in offensive efficiency because of how they've been able to shoot the three-point ball and how great Snogo and Donovan Klingon have been. Their 12th in defensive efficiency and their ninth in effective field goal percentage against. Like they're they are a tremendous defensive team and defense travels. That's something that they can use to their advantage and they they're comfortable playing fast and slow, which I think is also a tremendous something that will serve them well. You know they they're not going to be thrown out by a St. John's that runs or a Virginia that crawls. They'll be able to play both.
0: I agree. I think that's a good, a really good thing about the team. And then I'd I also just say, better than expected performances from a couple of freshmen, uh, which which has really been probably the the brightest spot. If if we're just thinking about uh, what has been some of the most pleasant surprises, are uh, Alex Caravan in the starting lineup, averaging ten points and four rebounds a game, and uh, our big boy, Donovan Klingin, the seven footer from Bristol, averaging 8.5 and, and six rebounds a game and looking really good doing it. Uh, so Caravan, really smart player, like what he brings to the table uh, often does not force it uh, ha- has to, of course, get stronger and develop defensively, but you have to be so impressed with, with what he's done as a freshman and as a relatively less heralded, less heralded freshman. Um, And, and I would say even Klingon better than expected. Uh, We all, well, I had modest expectations for him going into this season uh, just because you never know about the adjustment at the next level, but he's been able to step in and contribute immediately, uh, constantly making the case for more minutes. And I think there's also, you know, a version of, just this team with Donovan Klingon at three more months of development, uh, two more months of development, is also potentially a, a, a significantly better team. But I'm super happy with with what we've seen out of them.
1: It is not how so good Klingon has been after playing against Southington High School last year. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. Like, how can you go playing against a team whose tallest player is 6-5 to playing in the Big East and be good that that's just such a testament to how hard he's worked and how good of a basketball player he is and caravan has been great too he definitely knows his role he knows he's not great defensively he knows he's in there to hit shots and by and large he does it he's done a very good job with that and they've had so you know They've been the bright spots when some of the newcomer, other newcomers or transfers, just haven't really panned out as well as they might have hoped.
2: Yeah, Caribbean checks in at number five uh, per our per our boy Dan Madigan on Twitter uh, noted that Ev, the Evan Maya stats. Uh, he is the fifth-ranked analytical freshman in the country, which is just absurd because they also show the composite recruiting rankings next to that, and he is the 35th is it was his composite ranking and everyone else above him was in the top 25. So it, you know, it shows you how, again, unreal. I think we all know Connecticut basketball ain't nothing to write home about. Um, they called the SWC, the slow white conference. I mean, it, they don't have a shot clock. Yeah. It's um, and to transform his body, because I think we all saw the videos Uh, of him in in his senior year and he looked almost like too big right too large you know he he was going to be exposed at at the next level with his athleticism and then you see him in the first month of the season and he's trimmed down he's running the court with authority I mean it's it's been unreal and I mean Caravan I know it's a cliche but he has that classic like four-year pedigree where he just does the you know he is essentially a Lasan chroma rental for the next four years where he's always going to you know nine times out of ten make the right play hit hit an open shot make the right cut Uh, Niles Giffey yeah I mean you know you name it all of UConn's most successful teams have had that kind of I hate to say glue because that's such a cliche but like the the missing piece and the fact that UConn picked up both of those guys they seem to have bought into the culture they're not guys that almost have outplayed their status and they're going to go, you know, to a blue blood or go professionally, you know, it will hopefully have Klingon for at least two years. So it sets the the table up so nicely for the future. And then, like you said, there's a freshman wall, but then there is also that time where they realize, Hey, I can play here. And so hopefully that time is around March when we're going to need them in the big East tournament to, to make a run.
0: Yep, so the Huskies are hosting Xavier at 6.30 p.m. The Musketeers are ranked 13th. We'll get into a preview of that game. But I did want to ask you guys one more question, since we did just do a really thorough breakdown of the team, is what do you think the ceiling of this UConn team is? We just kind of parsed through contender-pretender, we obviously said uh it depends and it's somewhere in between. But what, what do you think what do you guys think is the ceiling for uh the Yukon this Yukon team this year?
1: Realistic ceiling or ninety-ninth percentile outcome. 99th ninth percentile outcome is the national title. They've proven that they can do that. They they blew away Alabama at the end. And Alabama's number three in Kempom right now. It's probably going to be a number one seed. I know we're still a ways away, but unless they really trip up, that's what they're going to be. Iowa State, they did the same thing. Andre Jackson almost out-rebounded an entire team in that game. And Iowa State is going to be, you know, a top four, top five seed. So they've had those games. But then the St. John's game, you can see that as a flame out in the first round. If they get the wrong, if for the second year in a row they get the wrong, one bid league champion, they could totally flame out again. This could be Teddy the Teddy Allen game part two. Oh,
2: just got a chill run down my spine there for a little bit. Oh, gross. Um, I just looked. UConn has the seventh best title odds on DraftKings right now. And the, uh, let's see. I just
1: want to go on record as saying that's much too high.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's better than their Big East
0: odds.
2: (laughs) And they have the seventh best uh, Final Four odds as well. Um, I, again, like like Sean said, that is their ceiling. You you can't deny that with how they've looked at their peak. Um, And then, like you said, a matchup with a team that takes care of the ball, um, draws fouls. You know, if if they get matched up with Baylor in the Elite Eight, I know that's recency bias because I just watched him play, but I don't see how UConn beats them. Um, You also have to take with a grain of salt that UConn caught Alabama in Brandon Miller at a time when that freshman – he was still good, but he's figuring things out. He's even better now two months later. Um, Would you want to play Alabama again? I'm not so sure. Would you want to play Iowa State again? No, sign me up or send it back. I'm I'm good. So I'm going to go say their their realistic ceiling is is a hard fought elite eight out where you look and say you know what that's kind of what we expected given the highs and lows of the year.
0: Nice. You know I'm I'm gonna I'm leaning closer to Sean here. I'm I'm saying it's it's definitely still a national title contender. Um. I'm mostly basing that though on, I don't even know what to call it, but I just, I just have felt like lately in college basketball, there's, there's almost no good teams. There's, there's just like a bunch of kind of their teams and we see who wins year year in and year out. And I think UConn is one of those kind of their teams. Uh, Seventh ish, you know, best odds sounds pretty decent to me right now um just remembering our experience of the last two seasons though i'm gonna also just say hey let's win a game let's have this guy in this regime win a game uh i'm i'm not the one who says he belongs on the hot seat because of the way those games have those two games have gone however uh an early exit a first round exit this year would be so so bad and i think that's If we're talking um, not ceiling, but floors, it's, buddy, you got to get to the round of 32 and you kind of better make the sweet 16 uh, too, if I'm, if I'm being realistic. And, um, you know, obviously this is like almost a stupid question to ask one month ago. Like, what do you think is the ceiling of this undefeated Yukon team? Uh, But now obviously we have a lot, a little bit more reason to question it. Um, But I think in spite of that, the fact that there's nobody, in college basketball, who, who I find to be too, too dangerous is part of why I think Yukon ceiling is still, uh, you know, a final four national championship it's, it's still certainly within reach to answer your question, Patrick, about a team like Baylor. Uh, how, how does UConn beat Baylor? The answer is uh, have someone else beat them on the other side of the bracket. right? <laughs> I, I remember feeling that exact way about Louisville in 2014 right louisville that louisville team stomped uconn three times and you're like all right well obviously this is not a national championship team look what louisville keeps doing to us louisville lost in the ncaa tournament didn't even see them uh so that's that's the answer to that one uh is to have some simply have someone else beat them but yeah i think i think national championship. Still in play. The Big East is such a grind, but anything can happen in the postseason. And um, they're not—they're not loading to a one seed like we thought they might do a month ago. But hey, uh, you always got to earn it.
1: Yeah, let's not forget—it's a series of one-game samples. Also, ESPN uh,
2: Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology and, and we'll we'll stop after this as UConn has UConn as a fifth seed playing the winner of Kentucky and Penn State which I, I I never want to play a team that has underperformed like Kentucky I can't believe I'm saying this you know you, you're already talking about Louisville and Kentucky all my I'm going to get roasted for this but I don't want to play Kentucky you, that seems like the type of team that UConn will not match up well against so like you said it really depends on what you see in the bracket uh and you hope in the next 2 months that there's like Sean said there's enough of a sample size to say if we do this we will be fine re- unless we play this time, r- regardless of like opponent so
0: you know it's kind of funny um when Sean brought up the the new Me- the the New Mexico State game the the early exit I I was realizing that was when the three of us had our last podcast, uh, we, uh, we got together. I was, I was in Marseille at the time and we just did a little um, uh, men's basketball, what the heck just happened podcast. Uh, so uh, nice callback there. Good job. Good job. Us. That was planned. Uh, good job. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, UConn still certainly has some, some room to grow. I think in terms of making its case, I, I do envision them finishing stronger and landing maybe in that three or four seed line. And I think that would be a great place to be and set yourself up for a nice first round matchup and a decent second round matchup that puts you in a good place. Uh, and we'll just have to to see what happens there. Um, But next up, the as we mentioned the huskies are at Gample hosting number 13 xavier last time the two teams met on december 31st they handed yukon its first loss oh how innocent we were back then it was an 83 to 73 uh game yukon was kind of trailing most of the way uh Patrick, we'll start with you since you were drinking free alcohol uh on site at this game, uh, I believe. Uh what what do you remember about Xavier? Who what's good about them? How do they match up against UConn? And what does that mean for this Wednesday night return matchup?
2: Uh well, I I I guess I would have to clarify that I found out that the alcohol was not free. Uh, but the seats were better than the club seats, um, shout out out to chemo unity. Um, but no, that was, and I I will not mention the, uh, certain fan seat away from my girlfriend who was leaning over her to chirp at me. Uh, I'm going to be the bigger man here. Like I was at the game and, uh, and, and just let that slide off my shoulder, um, I mean, that, that was what we, I referenced before is we started to see the cracks in UConn's foundation regarding fouls, turnovers. If a certain guard doesn't get hot, um, uh, they are very vulnerable. And Xavier is one of the best offensive teams in the country and not just offense, but their pick and rolls. Um, CBS threw out some stat that said, Xavier is second in points per possession in effective field goal percentage in the country for every team that runs at least 75 picket rolls. Um, And the 77 points that, you know, UConn allowed, the half-court points that UConn allowed, that was the most they gave up all year at that time. So they were completely exposed. And what makes Xavier so dangerous is their bigs, Fremantle and Nunji are basically – they can bang inside – but they can also step out and shoot. So it, it just causes so many mismatches with UConn's. But, you know, I think Donovan Klingon only played five minutes that game um, because he, I think he just, he didn't have the mobility to go out and guard Nungi because Nungi can just hit you with a pump fake and, and, and blow right by him. Um, and that's not to mention, you know, Colby Jones, who's the 26th ranked player on Nevin Maya, um, Sully Boom who is – like, if you could pick a player from the Big East to insert on UConn right now, I would throw all my chips at sully Boom because he can go get you your own shot. He's a three-level scorer. I mean, he's exactly what, like, UConn needs. And Xavier has him, so they have all this incredible offense, but they don't do defense. And hopefully in the home crowd, uh, some – ironing out of UConn's offensive issues that we already talked about they stay close enough to not shoot themselves in the foot which is essentially even what they did on the road we talked about the Hurley technical a lot when it happened that was I think a five-point swing when UConn it was a one possession game before that happened and then he had Andre Jackson jacking up he shot 12 threes (laughs) He shot three of them. Were in the final like ninety seconds. Yeah, it was just absurd. Like I, I get, you gotta jack up some threes, mm-hmm. but at least give it to someone else. Like what? What are you doing? Um, so, you know, those little tweaks here and there, and I, I think UConn finds themselves in a good spot with like a minute left tomorrow or t- today.
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna need to see Klingon and Sonogo together. It hasn't happened with any kind of consistency, but Xavier's the only team that they've played that has two bigs like this. So it it's going to have to happen. You can't have Alex Caraban guarding one of these guys. You're right, now granted Samson Johnson wasn't around this first the first go around, so maybe Samson Johnson is the answer, but. You can't, like caravan is too much of a liability to put on Fremantle, and nunji would eat him alive at seven feet. Like it's just not something that they can do and expect to succeed.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, I, I I do think this Sanogo Klingon combo is really like the secret weapon that that Hurley is not showing us enough of. Uh, not not showing fans enough to whet their appetite for the, the, uh, the two bigs, the two massive bigs lineup uh, and, and everything that that would bring to the table. Um, But yeah, I I agree that this is the moment to do it and Hey, Xavier, that's the uh, highest ranked team in the big East in the polls and in Ken Palm. They're first in the league right now in the conference standings with an eight and one record. Um, I will say they've got a really rough stretch starting right now. They got to they got to um, luxuriate in a home game against Georgetown right before this, but they are at UConn, at Creighton, Providence at home, St. John's at home, Butler on the road, Marquette on the road. Is there is their next six games? All of those are A or B matchups on Ken Palm. Um, they've they've still got to visit uh, Providence as well so they've they've got a rough uh, ending to the season whereas UConn has a slightly more friendly uh, end to the schedule I would say so that's a big deal but this is this is huge for the Big East standings as well was was really the other main point I was making is that uh, you don't want to get swept by anyone and you don't want to you know losing this would basically kind of I, I would have to imagine give them really the inside track to winning the regular season crown.
1: Yeah, six losses and UConn's out. Six losses, that's when UConn's out. As far as the regular season title is concerned, I think they're probably already out. But you're not winning at 14 and six. And even if you could, they're not going undefeated the rest of the way. So this is that's just how that's going to work. Um, I, I think that I agree that this is the one time that you want to play Sonoma and playing together. They don't space all that well. So the offense might not be tremendous, but at least Sonogo can kind of fake it outside for four or five possessions at a time. So, you know, you're not going to see it for long stretches. I think. And that's probably a good thing. But if Caravan starts to really get eaten, watch for uh, Hurley might want to think about it.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, three out of the four teams above UConn right now, UConn gets them at home, starting with Xavier. So you put your best foot forward tonight and, you know, we'll see what happens. But what I like about this matchup, at least from like a offense defense perspective is what Xavier has five guys that all shoot better than 39. Like they're starting five, all shoot better than 39% and they all shoot a lot. Well, we already mentioned how well we, you know, run guys off the three-point line. Um, so if we do that effectively, and then, like you, like Sean said, find some way to manufacture baskets. Um, if you do go with that double big lineup, um, I, I, I like, you know, it. it, it was the same schematics work as they did at New Year's Eve. You just have to hope that gamble crowd. You know, I mean, rumor is they're giving tickets to a bunch of students. I. I don't know. But, like, you get a rowdy gamble crowd in there. Xavier has a target on their back. Uh, they lost to DePaul before they skated by Georgetown. And I watched that Georgetown game. They did not look great. I mean, they traded baskets with Georgetown for a long time. So you grab them. and You get a little bit of momentum. You can kind of safely say, like, okay, we had that little stretch. They had us in the, you know, first part of the season. You know, now let's um, – you know, move forward.
1: Yeah, I think that's an interesting wrinkle that students are going to be taking it, or people may be donating tickets if they won't be going because of the weather. That's going to be an interesting little wrinkle if uh, there's like 5,000 students there instead of 2,500 or whatever the current student section size is. Uh,
0: there's, there's a very historic and legendary 2006 Villanova game on campus that had similar vibes and what they ended up doing was basically just opening it up. Um, and it was like mostly students in there and still quite, quite, quite loud. Um, but yeah, I do. I mean, I do think the weather will, will be an issue. Um, people, uh, you guys, you guys are on the roads. Pe- people be crazy driving lately. I don't know if it's the pandemic or what, but drivers have gotten worse <laughs> in the last few years and uh, it's, it's rough out there. I, I would, uh, if if I was, you know, a regular person and uh, 40 minutes, maybe 50 minutes or more away, I'm not sure if I would do that drive in the snow, given all the traffic already. We'll see what happens. Obviously, you never know with weather, um, but that is an issue. Uh, I, I will say this. Hey, UConn's favored by uh, doing math. Eight points on Ken Palm and seven points by vegas ken palm has uconn projected to win all of the rest of its games uh all of them are 70 percent or higher win probability except for at creighton uh so i mean you know i know sean you said they won't win out to end the year but it's uh it's not off the table
1: no it's not off the table they could do it but just based on the roller coaster of the last month i'm certainly not betting on it and I also very interested in how they arrived at a seven point spread. Ken Palm, obviously, they're not going to have that recency of how they've looked the past few games, it's much more season look season, uh, you know, the whole picture. But I'm not sure seven points is like free money. Of course, there never is. Free money Vegas always knows. Vegas does. Yeah. I- I'd love to know how they got there.
2: Yeah, I don't want to pretend to be some sports gambling expert here. We're not running one, one of those types of shows, but if I had some nuggets and I, you know, wanted to throw them around, uh, seven points is, is, is a lot. And I feel like us more than most have seen UConn struggles firsthand and know that, you know, while it's nice to always fall back on these analytics and the Ken Palm stuff, eye test is also important and they they don't really have that eye test yet uh in 2023 you know yeah they beat the brakes off butler but you now a lot of teams have beaten the brakes off butler so Jerry's still out i think they can still pull out a win but a seven spread is like sean said
0: you heard it here folks the fast break rocket mortgage lock of the week. No, just kidding. Uh, We are not sponsored by anyone, certainly not a mortgage company and certainly not making locks, but uh, lock picks, but um, yeah, Vegas knows. I, you know, that's, that's what, what I always go to. That's why I actually do not do the sports gambling because why put yourself through that? Uh, And, and if you're going to give away your money, you might as well get something in return go buy a cheeseburger go 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 buy uh, four drinks at a bar uh, go entertain yourself uh go go play go play spinny ball at the casino uh at least if you're gonna if you're gonna just do that but um i think it's interesting i think it's interesting maybe maybe xavier's not as good as we think is is where i will end it on there Folks, we hope you enjoyed the return of the Fast Break UConn Men's Basketball Podcast. Enjoyed the Xavier game. We will catch you next time.